we've learned anything from these past couple of years, my fellow Americans, is that personal medical freedom and liberty are in crisis. America Out Loud Pulse brings together the top experts in healthcare-related fields to keep you a beat ahead. Welcome to America Out Loud Pulse. This is Peter Bregan, Peter R. Bregan, MD. And this is Ginger Bregan. Who is the smartest person I know. And uh, it's a blessing to live with someone who always has a better idea than I do. And I mean it, I mean it seriously. <laughs> you know, I write the... Uh, so, it's a lot to live up to. <laughs> I do the real writing of the books, the real, you know, you, where you sit down and you go tap, tap, tap. But... It, Everything that I think and do is so tied in with this woman's advice, guidance, uh, the people she knows and introduces me to, and the, the research she does. Um, it's just astonishing, and we thank God for this team. It is such a blessing to us, and we hope that we will be giving enough to you, too, in uh, through our work. Now, we have today as a guest on America Out Loud, uh, Karen Kingston. I would say she's one of our more favorite people just as a person. And um, some of you know that um, uh, there were events where Karen was uh, very um, concerned about her well-being and her safety, and it was hard to contact her. And uh, we wrote a column about how deeply we cared about her and how uh, there should be a huge mobilization of, uh, of people trying to talk to her and um, and help her. And uh, that's all over now. And Karen is back. And we're so glad that Karen is returning to our show um, because she's been with us before. And uh, she just personally means a lot to us. She has an incredible background as a consultant to industry, to pharmaceutical industry, to uh, helping them plan various kinds of activities that perhaps she could just embellish upon a little bit as we get started. But she's a brilliant analyst and a warm and caring human being. Welcome to America Out Loud Pulse. Karen, hello. Hi, Dr. Reagan. Thank you so much for that very gracious uh, introduction. So, um, yeah, for those who don't know um, my background, um, my name is Karen Kingston, and, and I'm a biotech analyst and med legal advisor. And I, I have over 25 years of experience in the industry. Did I start off as an analyst? No, I, I actually right out of um, right out of school, I started working for Pfizer. I was going to either work for them or or Eli Lilly. I was quickly moved to the marketing side. Um, All the great enemies. Um, yeah, I always say I was trained by the worst, right? So, <laughs> um, but I learned, you know, people don't understand. You, you, marketing isn't just um, pretty pictures and logos. You know, you. We take complex scientific information, you know, especially specifically what's submitted to the FDA. We simplify it, make you know pretty charts and graphs and headlines um, for physicians to understand, and then for patients to understand. And it's done in a very restricted, used to be done in a very restricted medical legal environment. So I've you know I've been my med legal training was from Pfizer and Medtronic and Dura, um, and then I helped set up med legal 
um, processes for a lot of West Coast companies. And, um, and, and then as my career evolved, I started working with the venture capital uh, companies. So I even worked with Johnson & Johnson Development Corp, which is one of the largest corporate companies for mergers and acquisitions. And I worked with a lot of startup companies here in Southern California. Um, so as an analyst, you know, you, you take a look at their product, you take a look at their intellectual property, look at the, at the landscape, and you also take a look at their potential acquisition partners, um, whether it's a corporate acquisition or you're just doing a series A, B, and C, and you've got to show where they fit in in the marketplace, um, both when you're directly competing in the market, and then I also would look at adjacent spaces. So it used to be that devices were separate from pharma, you know, and biotech's a whole new thing, and, and then there was a convergence. And now what we have um, which which I think should be alarming to people is we have a convergence of biotechnology. So that's taking technology that mimics biology and, and merging technologies with biology. And now biotech is now taking over what uh, used to be the pharmaceutical and device industry. Um, and again, it is the merger of technology with biology and the replacement of biology with technology. Um, and so that just kind of happened um, in the dark, you know, very quickly. Um, and now we're seeing it in front of our own eyes and um, the industry, biotech industry, touts how the mRNA injections are the gateway now into using nanotechnologies in, in humans. And as we were talking before the break, Dr. Bregan, here's the risk is um, the industry has always known that the nanotechnology um, causes damage to the neurological system. and. Uh, even specifically early studies with gold um, nanoparticles without getting biomarkers on them, without having any ligands, they just love going to the brain. Um, and, and then we know some of these were targeted to, to cross into the central nervous system and go to the brain. So that's a very high risk. As you, you, know, as you know, most infections, most bacteria, our brain is very, very well protected. You know, God, God made sure that, that, that we were, it was very, very well protected. And so now we've got these uh, new biotechnology um, products that um, really, really enjoy going to the central nervous system. So, uh, and, and Pfizer's internal report of, of uh, 1.5 million people that reported adverse events, um, and on average they reported more than three, 700,000 were the nervous system disorders. It was the number one disorder. So, no, that's three quarter of a million. And that's just from Pfizer's own research, right? That's just Pfizer's internal data. So what um, people don't realize, so this, I, I, as people know, years ago, I worked at Pfizer, decade, you know, decades ago, and it was over a decade ago, they were a client of mine. So th there is, we know the VAERS system that's run by CDC, but many times consumers, if they experience a serious adverse event or their spouse does, they call the corporation directly. Yes. Um, uh, and the corporation also gets, gets um, the filings from the FDA. So this is Pfizer's own internal accumulation of adverse events up until June of last year. And they recorded 5 million harmful outcomes, including deaths across 1.5 million people. Because on average, people had three and a half, three and a half serious adverse events. So 1.5 million people um, had serious adverse events that Pfizer directly um, uh, accumulated. 700,000 were nervous system. 540,000 were musculoskeletal, okay, and that's related to the nervous system because if this goes right up your spinal cord, as we were saying, like um, straight into your cerebellum, then you're going to have um, problems with controlling your your um, your movements, right? And then that can also explain se uh, seizures. Almost 100,000 in pain extremities, 
uh, over 300,000 gastrointestinal order disorders, uh, 225,000 skin, hair, and nail disorders. Um, and, you know, now I say only because it, this was supposed to be a respiratory virus, only 191,000 respiratory and chest disorders. So we have a vaccine for a respiratory virus that caused nearly 700,000 neurological disorders and nearly 180,000 male and female reproductive disorders. So this was clearly never a vaccine for a respiratory virus. This is such important information. I want to help clarify it. Sure. You know, I've been involved in this from the exact opposite event. I've been a, a meth approach. I've been involved in suing drug companies, and I've been involved with suits that uh, necessarily go to court, but uh, which I evaluated uh, against uh, Pfizer. And um, the these reports, folks, are, it's required by law that reports that are sent to the drug company must be sent on to the FDA for its reporting system. Um, many of these reports come from consumers. Many come from doctors. Many come from pharmacists. Uh, depending on what year, there'll be different uh, percentages of those. And we're talking here, it sounds like, Karen, about spontaneous reports being sent to Pfizer as being the major part of the database. Is that correct? It's a combination. So it, it's spontaneous reports, but you know, uh, under the contracts and the FDA meetings, Pfizer did have access to the FDA database, which is called the BEST database, capital B-E-S-T. And that's powered by IBM Watson. So they could have gone in with a diagnostic code and looked for um, and, and looked for some of these. Um, Did, were they doing that? You think they were going in and um, and yeah, actually I'll eat, seriously? I'll eat my shirt if they actually were looking for for issues with their. Well, that's their my experience. experience. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's a combination of, of um, but you know, they, they did get some data reports, obviously, from the FDA as well. But were they, they seeking this? No. And I and, and Dr. Naomi Wolf did an excellent job. I, I can't remember the number of people that fi that um, both Pfizer and the CDC, you know, it was in the thousands that both of them had to hire additional staff to take in, take in the calls uh, and the emails for the reports of serious adverse events. Um, but, you know, Ginger brought up a good point saying, you know, that's nearly three quarters of a million with the nervous system disorders. But then right after the nervous system disorders is 540,000 musculoskeletal. And within that, you have 93,000 pain, um, pain in the extremities. Pain in the extremities, I would classify, you know, as a nervous system disorder. You can't feel pain. I mean, you only feel pain, you feel pain through your nervous system in your brain, right? Your brain has to send those uh, functions. So it's almost like um, they probably have a million nervous system disorders and they try to maybe sprinkle it out through some of these other. They do that systematically in my experience when they, re when they divide things up into nervous system, psychiatric, body in general, <laughs> they try to splash things away from neurology and psychiatry. There's 77,000 psychiatric disorders. So, you know, in my opinion, that would still fall under a nervous system disorder. You know, yes, you're probably looking at over a million. So and, and now long COVID is, you know, primarily the the symptoms are nervous system disorder symptoms, um, uh, you know, exhaustion of uh, failure to have desire to do daily activities, um, things like that. So it's, 
this was an attack on our, it, the, the, the injections were not just, um, you, you know, we, you know about the myocarditis, we know about the reproductive issues, but really the, the number one system that was assaulted, uh, and many people may not be aware of this when they're experiencing the symptoms of this assault, was the nervous system attack. Yeah, let me comment on that for a minute. The, uh, this is so important, Karen. I really appreciate the direction you're taking this. Um, one of the things that we've been looking at here, myself and Ginger, is that that this protein spike, whether it's in the uh, disease um, or whether it's being made in our own bodies, enforced to be made in our own bodies by the vaccine, um, is producing widespread neurological disorders. So we get it. I I got to, um, just tremendous uh, brain fog would be the general uh, phrase, I guess, lasting several months after COVID. Came out of the hospital in mid-April. It started in March, some point that we're not really sure on. And... Um, it's only in recent uh, weeks and months months uh, that I felt my mind's back to normal, maybe even better because I've just been working so hard. Um, but it, it made me indifferent to others. So I might be friendly with Ginge and I really, you know, do always love her. But the impassioned engagement in my heart, I did not have with anyone when I was really sick. And... Um, and that's what I experienced when I had the, um, you know, the, you want to call them the poisoning, the attacks when I had the aerosol attacks. Um, I noticed a, sighten, a heightened state of anxiety, but I also noticed a heightened state of apathy, which is very strange. I'm a, um, you know, I think people know I'm a highly sense, I'm a very sensitive person. Yes. Yeah, I know. And I know, I mean, I, I really, I can't, I mean, I care deeply about humanity. And it, that was, um, that was very strange. And I, I also lost the sense of smell, you know, maybe because it was a direct aerosol neuroweapon attack. So that goes, you know, when that goes to your olfactory nerve, it goes straight to your amygdala. And that, I think sometimes, you know, when you're hijacked and you're in a, your amygdala is hijacked, you know, maybe you're not in a complete state of fight or flight like I was, but you have heightened anxiety, well, then you have decreased cognitive function, executive function, you know, to be orderly and think properly. And your ability to care for others goes down as well, obviously, when you're when you're in um, survival, you know, some kind of survival mode. But I know what you're saying. It's even different than that. It's as if there was um, another part of the brain that was suppressed that allows us to have, um, you know, the natural feelings of empathy and compassion, you know, and um, desire to take action to help others. And, and that's, um, you know, that is part of the definition of psychopathy, you know, being a psychopath. And another interesting I found, I randomly found, came across this, something like 20% of psychopaths don't have a sense of taste or smell. I had no idea. So, this is whatever parts of the brain that they're suppressing. It's it's all related to us being less humane to one another. You know, less human, if you will. Yeah, yeah. yeah let me let me give folks just a little. Um, uh, well, maybe uh, 
I think I can do this in a minute and 50 seconds that we have left. Um, the whole brain in the human being goes toward love and caring. And there are certain areas which are more evolved, which are more sensitive to harm, and which will more clearly produce the effect of losing your engagement, your caring, your involvement, your motivation. The frontal lobes are the flower of civilization. They fill up the front of our brain. And injury to them, which occurs whenever you have a general toxin, like the spike protein or alcohol or all psychiatric drugs, um, they hit the whole brain. And in the process, they're going to get the frontal lobes. But beneath the frontal lobes are this area we call limbic system, which is very much associated with whether we're functioning emotionally. That includes the amygdala that Karen has already mentioned and other other areas of the brain that aren't so much high cognition as the front of the brain. But as you go deeper in the brain, you get to a place called the basal ganglia. And when they're damaged, you get Parkinsonism symptoms and a flattening of affect again. That's how thoroughly deep into the brain um, that injuries cause a loss of our connectivity, our motivation. And then you have the cerebellum, which always was thought to be uh, you know, just coordination and things like that. And as uh, Karen's aware, we've been discussing, it too has cognitive functions and can relate to uh, the uh, how you're doing uh, as a thinking, feeling human being. And uh, finally, I mentioned to you this uh, deeper center that uh, that is um, called the basal ganglia, and that affects movement and motion as well as the cerebellum. Mm -hmm. We'll go to the second section now after a brief break. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. You've heard Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company discuss the harmful effects of spike protein in your body. And now they found the solution, the miracle enzyme natokinase. Their spike support formula contains natokinase, the most compelling and scientifically supported approach to safely clear spike protein out of the body. What's more, spike support is optimized with other all-natural, non-GMO ingredients, like dandelion root, to help prevent spike protein from binding to your cells. Everyone should take daily spike support so you can feel your best. America Out Loud listeners can go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. The Natural Colon Cleanse. It's the ultimate digestive tune-up with Oxy Powder. It's crafted to alleviate the discomfort of gas, bloating, and occasional constipation. There's a reason why Oxy Powder is our number one seller. It worked. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. Global Healing giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. I'm so confused. I don't know what to do. I'm afraid of going to the hospital. My doctor tells me nutrition doesn't work. Trust is earned. We are the Energetic Health Institute, and we want to earn your trust. Natural medicine, holistic nutrition, detoxification, fasting, cellular healing, and so much more. Remember, the best way to be free is to be healthy. 
So stop being a patient and start being a student at energetichealthinstitute.org. Welcome back to Karen Kingston, scientist, administrator, the writer, thinker. Karen, how did you become a freedom fighter? I, um, we'll just, well, just to clarify, I'm, I'm, I'm not a scientist. Or well, I, I view you as a scientist, but that's okay. No, no. Well, I'm. It's. I. I don't. I didn't earn the the degree. Yeah, I. I, I knew that. So. Yeah. All right. So. But, uh, um, yeah. You know, it's, you're, you're correcting us correctly on one level, but at another level, I would trust your scientific thinking more than ninety percent of board scientists today. Um, go, go ahead. Go ahead, dear. <laughs> well, so you know, um, and I. I when I worked for Pfizer back in the 90s, I don't recognize that company anymore than I recognize our nation. It's changed such a great deal. And um, and, and, and I, I had, honestly, it was an honor and blessing. Like the, the, the team of people that I worked with on the marketing side, uh, many of them have started, started their own consulting agencies and sold them for tens of millions, if not $100 million. Um, some of the people I worked with on the, the Viagra account of Pfizer are heading up mergers and acquisitions in the biotech field at Ernst & Young. Many of them have done IPOs for over a billion dollars. So I worked with a brilliant group of people and um, we had a really high bar. I mean, we, you know, it was seven days a week working for many, many years. You know, you'd have to ask for Sundays off the, you know, the bathroom in the building was kind of your washroom and stuff. So um, I had really intense training, I would say, for for this industry, but it is a cutthroat industry. And and then when I had my own consulting firm and I was hired at the executive level, um, you know, I was often then brought in be- because of my thoroughness in understanding the med legal landscape and being able to cite scientific information, able to cite FDA data um, to ensure that people would stay out of, you know, um, trouble with a court of law or if they were dragged in that they, you know, you know, they would, hopefully they would never get dragged in. You know, we'd have enough evidence. We'd, we'd be able to present the evidence to say, no, we're we're in alignment with the the current laws, and here's the evidence to show that. Um, but people have a some people have a natural instinct of uh, of greed, right? And um, of what I didn't hear that greed. They're- greed, yes, yeah. greed. So you can't promote for markets that you didn't submit an FDA data for and ask for the indication for specifically like in your phase three trial, you'd have to go and do a whole nother trial. Right. So they are trying to do things like, well, we'll just have the reps talk to like Neurotin's a great case. Neurotin was indicated for epilepsy and Park Davis just had the reps talk to the doctors for pain, turned it into a $4 billion product. Pfizer later acquired it and got, I forgot, I think a $40 billion fine because you have to prove to the FDA what you're doing. So I really knew the laws very well. And it got to the point, though, um, just because of I'm a very black and white person. Um, and if I, I was hired by a client and they were going to engage in a in um, creating a platform or in messaging that was, you know, goes against the laws was um off label if you will i'd be very blunt in explaining to them what they were doing um and, and sometimes activities and so that's not always well received no one likes to be corrected ever um so i wasn't always well liked in the industry but i was needed there there literally is a saying you know call karen she'll fix it so i mean 
there was one time where I gave the client two options. Like, I think you go down this path, you, you know, you're putting yourself at high risk for, um, for fines and lawsuits and it, it violates the laws. Or if you go down this path, um, you know, it, it's smooth sailing and, and, and they're like, well, we're going to do what our team wants to do. And I had to, I had to resign a client and, you know, sure enough, six, eight months later, they called me up. They're like, can you come back and clean up this mess? Because they started getting the letters and the threats because they were um, working outside of, of regulations and the law. So um, it's always been in my heart to do the right thing. I would just say that. And I watched the, when I watched COVID happen and I knew in March of 2020, we were being set up for a rollout of a vaccine. Like many of us, I had no idea that they were going to go after the children. And when they went after the children, um, like many freedom fighters, uh, uh, God put on my heart to, to come forward and bring forward the information like I would a six, seven figure client and, and, and fight and, he didn't put on my heart to fight that way. I think that was my mistake. I came in as the cleaner into a movement. God is not a Fortune 500 board member, you know. He, uh, and I don't. I, I think I could have approved. I could have approached the way I presented the data um, in um, a different manner that would have been more acceptable to more people in the movement. Um, I was treating it like, you know. I'm hired here to come in and save your guys' jobs. You know, that's used to be what I used to do. So I think, you know, I can, I can, I can humbly admit now that uh, I think sometimes my ego is leading versus my, my submission and my calling to God to do this. Um, but I, it, it is, I, I, it's in the, I think it's in the book of, of Matthew. I mean, it, I, if I didn't do this, it was like a millstone was around my neck. I mean, I really felt I was suffocating. Um, and, you know, and I was, I was deeply, I was, I was crying out to God, you know, and he was like, you know, you know well, I, I want to call 911 for my children. You got to do it. So I did it. Um, I have no awareness of your doing anything except good work. And I think that's true for you too, Jen. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. This is, I understand your struggle, but everybody struggles. Mm-hmm. And, um, Everybody struggles. Especially in this kind of difficult situation when all of us are resistors who are resisting this steamroller from uh, authority that is uh, appears to be just overwhelming. So, and Ginger, you wrote a great substack about how on the freedom movement side, um, just like, like on the side that we are fighting against, we should be allowed to have debates around topics like um, Pfizer's liability, the FDA approval, the existence of nanotechnology. Like, and, and, and I think that that frustration that I had that, um, I, you know, we're not allowed to have these debates with other with other with other leaders. So it's done publicly on platforms. And um, that's not the preferable way to do it. And, it. and it's funny about the term the nanotechnology. And I, I get why people don't want to use it, kind of, sort of. But what do they think a lipid nanoparticle is, right? Mm -hmm. you know, if someone's talking about a car or an electric car, and you say, okay, well, you know, this is a gas car, this is an electric car. And you're like, okay, so we're talking about vehicles. And they're like, no, 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 we can't use the term vehicles. I mean, a lipid nanoparticle is nanotech. So why can't, you know, why can't we use the term nanotech if that's what it is? Like, it, it, it's... 
it, again, it'd be like if someone was talking about a, a car versus an electric car versus a truck, and you said, "All right, so you're the whole. You're basically you're talking about a bunch of different vehicles that you have, and and someone just having a really knee-jerk, emotional, angry reaction to that term. It's not sensical, and um, okay. it, it's a whole conversation. It's whole intention. That kind of uh, pushback uh, is is to stifle the conversation. Well, I'm going to be more blunt than the two of you. Um, it is <laughs> you very usually are, honey. No, uh, I try to be circumspect, but um, it is very clear that uh, Robert Malone, from some of his very earliest actions, and we have written about that. Has that come out yet? Uh, with Dr. Naji, not Nagasi, Dr. Nagasi. Oh gosh, I do believe it has. But I think our most recent um, uh, feature, oh, yeah, that was in the freedom in the one that Karen just referred to. Okay, our most recent. All right, uh, good. Well, Dr. Nagasi, who is an emergency room doctor, we've recently get to know him in Canada. In his one of his first public outings. Uh, he drew on his knowledge uh, for his undergraduate degree was in cell biology, and he's been interested in it his whole life. And he began to talk about various mechanisms that could make the vaccines dangerous, including reverse transferase. And uh, Malone took a quick break from the Zoom meeting they were in, came back and said, uh, we're under a lot of pressure to stop talking about these things. We have to stop talking about these things or something like that. We have the exact video. So I think I want to talk directly that about how we have now, on several occasions, we've just watched a uh, one of the Johnson's committee meetings where Malone was interrupting when, again, a, a highly trained physician was describing some of the intricacies of the damage from the vaccines, and Malone interrupted him and told him to stop, mm -hmm. and it caused a lot of confusion. And so we're, there is more and more evidence that what we're really talking here is not that we, as a freedom movement, we really ought to do this or that. It's as a freedom movement, we should not be suppressed by Robert Malone. And his $25 million lawsuit against us, he himself says, was for the purpose of silencing people um, that didn't have a right to criticize him or to speak their minds. I can't remember exactly what his words were, but we have those two down uh, in our in our work that you can read online. And I think that, so, um, you know, my background, again, and I've also been a scientific writer and I've had scientific, many scientific writers work for me and editors, right? And, um, you know, it, my background is when you don't, you're not criticizing the person, unless you literally are criticizing someone who has a really bad attitude or, you know, work ethic, like, you know, they're showing up late for work on the hungover and stuff, then you're talking about the person. But, you know, if someone makes a statement that, misrep that is, uh, misrepresents what an actual document says, whether it was intentional or unintentional, right, um, or they cite the wrong document for a reference um, or, you know, they misunderstood what a statement made, that, you know, that, that's, those are the med kind of med legal debates that we have. It's not a condemnation of the person. And I think um, that was, that's what I see uh, 
a, a lot of here is that um, people who aren't necessarily, I'm not talking about Dr. Malone, but people who maybe aren't used to reading contracts in their entirety and scientific papers in their entirety and linking them all together and, and FDA submissions in their entirety and the little footnotes, and then they make a statement where you're like, oh, you didn't actually get to the second page where they further explain what that clause meant. Uh, they take it as a personal attack. And, I, and, and that's why we're not allowed to have the debates, you know, and... Um, I don't agree. I'm going to say agree. it. No, this is not personal. Malone may be a very sensitive person, but he is oh, systematic. I don't, think it's, I don't you know. think it's personal either. I'm saying it's not personal. I'm saying no. take it personally. Um, yeah, but I'm, I'm not... You know, you're describing Malone as being a sensitive, you know, as being a person who is reacting to being criticized. There is something much larger going on here than that. And yeah. we finally have to be talking more and more about it because the data is increasing. And that is that this is a part of the destruction of the movement. It's not that the movement needs to be this or that. There are people way beyond Malone who want to destroy the movement. They're billionaires. Yeah. They have alternative ways they want to make money. They're deep state operatives. Malone obviously says he knows a lot of these people, but let's forget about Malone. Yeah. Because the, what we are experiencing shutting down our movement is we have to look at the global predators. We have to look at what are the forces that don't want you talking, me talking, Ginger talking. So I really want to emphasize that this is a really large political global battle. And we were one of the most vigorous movements on the face of the earth in the beginning uh, when the, with McCullough and uh, Bregan and... Uh, Zelenko. Zelenko. I mean, we Dr. Vliet. Uh, Dr. Lee Vliet, who... who uh, and uh, three people who actually uh, wrote the introductions to our book, uh, Malone and Valit and Zelenko. And they had to stop this group, and, including Paul Alexander and you know a, n a number of other people. We were just a very active bunch, and there were many, many people coming to be with us. There wasn't a lot of conflict. And then the the powers that be beyond Malone do what they do in every nation in the world when they see a freedom movement they infiltrate it they beat it up from the inside they get people fighting with each other i think i want to just for people to know the big picture of what goes on here because yeah I just, I, go, go ahead it's important that you brought that up because i you know um after what i've endured it's i realize you know you and ginger Peter McCullough, so many of us, we haven't done our best. We've done all we can endure. We've done more than our best, you know? And, um, you know, I think that's really important for people to know that there is risk to this. There is this, you know, we, we have to overcome fear. We have to stand in our faith in God and encourage. And, um, you know, Dr. Robert Malone's made it very clear that it's beneath him to speak to me and that he's right to the, his opinion on that. But he did speak to my family and it caused a lot of trauma. Um, and I'm just gonna leave it at that. So um, it's, I, 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 I do look for, to collaborate, you know, I'll collaborate with anyone, um, but it's difficult when someone um, openly says it's below speaking to you. And then 
um, again, um, there was a lot of trauma that was caused and, yeah. and, and I'm still, we're still healing that, you know? Well, Karen, I won't work with anyone. We draw lines. Well, I, yeah, at some point, you know, I know. <laughs> no, again, there, I, I, I know. I, I, I will. I do. I do as well. But I, I, um, I tend to have a very, very high tolerance. I tend to say, you know, I don't, you know, I can't blame people if, you know, when they're faced with evil, you don't know how you're going to respond. You know, if you're protecting three young children or whatever, right? And I, I just hope, you know, I think people. Through this journey, they repent. They they, they and they become stronger. You know, um, yeah. preparing how they're going to face the next round of uh, intimidation or whatever it is. Um, you know, uh, so my my point is is that we are up against um, a global power that uh, that wants to control the population, and you know is is and, and damages brains or, or de demonic they don't care about our lives they've been very clear yeah. about that you know? that's right so, um you know we are being manipulated and uh it's right now we're, you know we're still outnumbered and now going back to the original topic you know ginger brought up a great point before the call why do they want everyone inoculated i mean is it because they wanted everyone to be numb and also, again, if this go, it does go, if it goes through the olfactory nerve into the amygdala, like, so you're going to be numb and in a state of, of heightened fear, you know, that's exactly what they want. That's what they want the whole population to be and not have us critical thinkers remind people of facts and evidence, remind people that they are, you know, their rights are unalienable given to them by God. And for me, when I was going through the intimidation and the, even like the physical and neurological damage, what kept me going was rem reminding myself that I'm a child of God, that I have a connection to my Heavenly Father, um, crying out in the name of Jesus, reading the book of Psalms. I mean, and um, just praying, praying, praying. And I think, you know, when you, f we, you can fight for that human connection and, and, and I, I hope we move forward as a movement for us to 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 fight for that unity and to fight the human connection that we have now is that there's no reason for these shots to still be on any, in yeah. any Karen, let me interrupt at this point. And you've been yeah. incredibly eloquent. We've run over a little bit on our second Sorry. segment, beautifully presented. We'll be back very shortly. AmericaOutloud.news is beaten to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, troubled, misled, joyful, and thankful. We know you because we are you. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. Cofix RX nasal solution has completed the circle and is now offering throat spray with povidone iodine. That completes the protocol doctors like Peter McCullough recommend. If staying healthy is important, you'll want to make sure to add throat spray to your next order of Cofix RX. For a limited time and exclusive for America Out Loud listeners only, you can save 25% off your entire order. 
Let's double down against colds, flus, strep, RSV, HRV, COVID, and more. Click the banner or go to America Out Loud shop to get 25% off your entire order. Use coupon code OUTLOUD25. That's coupon code OUTLOUD25. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, and sleep deep. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code out loud. And we're back. We are back. This is a wonderful interview with Karen Kingston. Um, God bless you, Karen. And uh, we're we're circling around again and again in, in this discussion that there is a purposeful attack on humanity going on. Mm-hmm. And it's a purposeful attack by global predators very very much involved with bill gates some people think there's got to be bigger people beyond bill gates i don't know but bill gates has had his hand in just every kind of health organization and he's been organizing the world health organization the united nations um to do the bidding of the global predators Xi Jinping as opera, I call Bill Gates and Klaus Schwab and NATO and the European Union and so on, Canada's Trudeau and all. World That's, Economic Forum. Yeah, this is all part of what the Western Empire and the, the Eastern Empire basically starts in communist China. And it's a long history of wanting to dominate the world as an empire. So we have both empirical Chinese history and communist communist uh, history all going toward wanting to run the world and that uh, this is what's going on the battles are being fought to some extent in israel now yeah uh one thing i I would just make a quick note for people to think about because i'm not hearing people talking about it who are the greatest threats to globalism i tend to to uh, usually i say united states if we get our act together <clears throat> we are a great threat to globalism because we're god fearing where that means you don't uh, fear the emperor as much and uh, because we believe in individual freedom which the globalists hate and individualism which they hate even more this unique expression of the individual they just hate that they want to grind us down and they are doing it And one of the reasons that they love a war, well, there's several in the Middle East, a violent war in the Middle East, is is number one, it feeds the military-industrial complex, both the legal part of it, where Joe Biden sends $70 million or billion dollars or how many trillion we're going to end up there. And it, and it just, uh, very little of it goes to anybody in the Ukraine and it goes to the military industrial complex, the bankers and so on. But when you get to, uh, and you, you tend to slow down Russia. Well, Russia is a threat to the globalists. He's not part of the big global community. They use the banking system against him because that's how much they see him as outside of globalism and a threat to globalism. He is a dictatorship with a mind of his own. But Israel, Israel, if it were true to its roots, is as much a threat now to globalism as Israel was 
to the Romans. The Roman Empire had so much trouble with Israel that they killed most a huge portion of the population, shipped another huge portion of the population out of the area around the world. Yeah. That's how much. Let, let me finish this. Let me finish this. That's how much a threat. You, you, you'll have time. That's how much a threat Israel is to globalism. Well, who's the, who's another big threat? Ultimately, Muslim are a great threat. Islam, because Islam is an ideology that has its own views and its own persistent sense of a of a god and that wants to grow and have an Islamic empire. So if they wipe out the Middle East, they've gotten rid of Israel, they've gotten rid of Islam, and, um, you know, and they also want to kind of knock off uh, Russia if they can, because Russia is going to end up allying with China and Islam for the time being. So that's just a brief scenario I want to give people. I'm not hearing it said directly enough. Karen, take your time in responding. Uh, it's my understanding that um, Putin, um, you know, to me, he's, he, he seems to be acting, you know, very responsibly. You know, the phrase we use, he's the only grown up in the room, originally call, calling for all parties. I'm having trouble hearing you. Oh, you I, are? Yeah, just raise your voice a little bit, please. Oh, okay. Um, you know, originally, um, Putin was calling for all parties to come to the table and, um, you know, to, to protect the civilians and, and the ch- you know, innocent children. Uh, and it's my understanding that he, re- you, I'm glad that you brought this up, he recently met with the head of Hamas. And you go, well, well, then why would he do that? Why would he align with a terrorist group? And it's, well, you know, um, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yeah. Right? And, yeah. And, and so... Um, <clears throat> Just like um, Americans, you know, there, there, we can't understand that there's other cultures, you know, but just like Americans, we want to li- live our lives and be left alone. And so do other countries and other cultures, right? And the idea of this... Um, well, some are very imperial, Karen. The Chinese communists do not want to just be left alone. I understand they, that. Yeah, that, that you know, I was the Muslim that. leadership does not want to be just left alone. The, yeah, the CCP doesn't. Yeah, they they want to be the new um, hegemony, hegemony, how you pronounce it. Yeah, they want yeah. To be, yeah, the new. But I understand in principle what yeah. you're saying. Yeah. So, but but there are many, but there are many uh, other nations that do want to be left alone. I mean, I, I think Russia is a great example of that. I think many uh, in the Eastern Bloc is a good example of that. So. Um, yeah, I'm glad you I think I'm glad you brought this up that sometimes people, yeah. you know, I'm not a war strategist, you know, and I try, yeah. I try not to. Even know well, I, I, I do think I'll go a step further in regard to Putin. I do think that NATO forced Putin into taking a stand very similarly, like JFK was forced to take a stand by Russia when they wanted to put missiles in Cuba. We were uh, going along with the entry of the Ukraine into NATO, putting a potentially highly armed puppet of the globalist, Western globalists on his border. And I think that was a very precipitating event. But of course, I have no love for 
Putin as a rational, reasonable man. I'm, I would not go there. But just looking at the scenario, this is so much about the domination of globalism in the world. And what I'm trying to help people see more than anything probably there is, other than love, is that you'll understand all the craziness you see if you think of two competing empires. One is the Western we have our figurehead hologram, Joe Biden, representing it, but being, you know, really just a, a figment of his own imagination. Maybe he's he's just uh, he's just a duel of doing everything globalists want: destroying America, reducing our oil um, sufficient self-sufficiency or energy self-sufficiency, destroying the constitutional basis of the country by letting in all kinds of human beings. Sending as much money as possible out of the country. Out of the yes, right, into globalism. That's where the money goes when you right. have wars. It goes into globalism. So he, he wants wars, and he's got wars on left and the right. And so uh, think globalism, and that's our book, COVID-19 and the Global Predators. We're working on a develop, further development of the book. But that's the basic point that has helped me just pretty quickly see what looks like an irrational chaos and to paint a picture of the Western globalists in competition with the Eastern globalists and sort of Islam siding more or less with the Eastern globalists because of the shared totalitarianism for the time being. Yeah, well, you brought up a good point that the Ukraine war, the UN, um, enabled it, basically. Putin tried diplomacy. He went to the United Nations saying, look, we've, we've uncovered these bioweapon labs in the Ukraine. They are, yes. are funded by the United States. And there's Pentagon, you know, and DARPA and DTRA, the Department of Threat Reduction Agency, and we want them removed. Uh, and the United States uh, General uh, Igor Kiryov got ticked off. He goes, the United States sarcastically responded saying, um, you know, those aren't bioweapons labs, you know, we're working on vaccines and it's a matter of national security. And he basically said he doesn't appreciate the sarcasm. And, you know, they knew that they were bioweapons labs. So the UN forced Putin, you know, to go in there and remove remove the, the labs himself, as opposed to doing it through diplomatic measures. And then uh, Russia, and I think it specifically was Kiryov warned that they're moving the labs now to uh, middle and southern Africa, and they're warning African countries to not allow this to happen. And of course, it's not just um, these are not just U.S. government labs; they're 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 also funded by the various Bill and Melinda Gates foundations, and their organizations are also yeah. funding it. So I, I agree. People say, "Well, there's someone behind Bill Gates," and to that, I say the usual suspect line is. There is no Kaiser Sose, okay? Bill Gates is the Kaiser Sose. You know, he's pretending, maybe we're pretending that there's someone more evil above him um, to deflect blames. Yeah. I hope I didn't give away the ending of Usual Suspects if someone hasn't seen it yet, but it's an old. <laughs> well, you're, def you're a fountain of tremendous information. I did not know about the movement of the labs to Africa, and it makes sense. Folks, there is no such thing as a defensive biolab that is not simultaneously uh, a uh, war, a weapons um, lab. Because what they do is they make vaccines 
and then say they're defending against them, but they can just as easily or maybe more easily attack with them. So they make viruses. Viruses. And then they, I'm sorry, not vaccines. Viruses. They make viruses, and then they say, "Now we knew. Now we're making vaccines, and we only made the virus so that we would have the vaccine if the virus was ending up being employed someday." But the virus just got made by the same lab. So it really is a war machine. And there's no chance that virus they're defending against would have, that they say that would have come out in nature. Nature does not mimic labs. Labs do things at the speed of lightning compared to nature. Nature's evolution of a SARS-CoV-2 would have been like nature's evolution of a high-tech airplane. Doesn't happen. Well, one of the most shocking things that I learned from you, Peter, early on when we were researching SARS was there's no SARS-CoV virus in nature. Am, the, I, am I right that, about that? That is correct. They've never found a SARS-CoV in nature. They've referred to SARS-CoV-like viruses. That's right. But not any Which single... means we think we can make them into, <laughs> into <laughs> SARS-CoV they're, they're, all, they're all generated by artificial intelligence, all the codons and stuff. But uh, yes, a good point. I want to clarify. So when you're looking at military documents globally, you know, and in the U.S., whether you use the term vaccine or virus, and uh, Kiryoff clarified this, it's neither. These are synthetic pathogens. That's what they are. So that yes. means were, synthetic means they were man-made. They're bio- bar- That's bio- good, Ken. I like that. Yeah. And pathogen means it can cause harm, disease, disabilities, and death to civilians. So when they were working on um, mosquitoes to carry synthetic pathogens, whether it's a, a, a gain-of-function dengue virus, if you will, or malaria, they say, well, if we deploy the mosquitoes, this is the U.S. government, on civilian populations, we're simply vaccinating them. And if it was used in war, that would go against biowarfare, but would it, be, it would be a great way to wipe out the enemy because then they could possibly infect one another. So whether it's virus or vaccine, what they're talking about is synthetic pathogens, which is we worked in a lab to create something to cause injury, harm, disability, and death. Uh, yeah. So that's, that's what that is. And it's... Um, it, it's uh, words influence thought, so it, it's it's difficult for people to really understand what's been going on because of the vernacular we've been using. Yeah. Good point. Yes, and what, what those mean. Yeah. Thanks for cleaning up mine, and I really do need to follow your lead and just call them synthetic pathogens. Yeah, yeah, and and, and you know, and and, and if it, it, they can, some maybe can be to talk to. Uh, defined as a bioweapon, but you don't need to to go there at this point. You can call it synthetic pathogen. And I want to, I just want to say something positive that's going on, Um, you know, and and actually Dr. Malone was involved with this. Steve Kirsch announced that now you can go after Pfizer because of the plasma DNA SV40 contamination. And SV stands for simian, which is monkey. And then 40 is the the identification of that genetic code. It's an oncogene, so it's a it's a monkey cancer that they found in the Pfizer shots in the vials, and they're calling it a contaminant. Now, the what I understand from how Kirsch has reported on this is that they're waiting for Aaron Siri to um, oppose the Prep Act immunity, right? But the fact that our freedom movement leaders are now saying the vials are all contaminated with a toxin, you know, poison that can cause cancers. Um, if that's accepted by the general public, because 
even if it wasn't, but once the general public accepts that, then the, the Pfizer vials can be pulled because it's just like you pulled the Tylenol. So whether, whether it's a, a governor that makes the order, it's supposed to be the state attorney general, or even going down to the sheriffs being like, you wouldn't leave contaminated product on a shelf like you know the Tylenol in Chicago, you knowing that some people are going to develop uh, a serious disease or die from it. So the so that's the. I don't think it's necessarily good news. I'm I'm so much more cynical than you. Are. Um, listen, I, I, let, let me give you my analysis of that, and okay. but then we're going to have just I'll give you like fifteen seconds. We're really just down okay. to the end. There's too much good information here. The <laughs> Department of Defense is the ultimate culprit, not Pfizer. We now know, and we knew since Bobby uh, Kennedy's book, although nobody paid attention to the last chapter in it. Um, and that is that the Department of Defense, not Pfizer, is the culprit. Pfizer has used the defense in court that we have contracts with DOD and um, they absolve us because we're told we couldn't do this kind of research, we couldn't do that kind of research, that we had very limited role to play in all of this and the DOD was just going to roll stuff out in our name. So they... The DOD has really interesting prospects in attacking Pfizer at this point. Robert Malone's closest ally throughout the period of time we can trace up until 2019-20 was DOD. He even said that 90% of his income to his own corporate corporation, the Malone Corporation, was from the Department of Defense, which I think mostly means DARPA. Dietra. So, Dietra. Dietra. Thank you. Yeah. Dietra. And um, so, no, this, I think, is just a turning of the attention onto Pfizer and distracting from the deep state. I do believe that's what's going on. Um, hey, you got you. you well, can you say how people get in touch with you, and then we have to finish up. Yeah, I get, well, I get my God put on my heart to get the shots removed. So if this is the way that the shots are removed um, through Pfizer, and it avoids World War Three, I don't think it can be removed through Pfizer. They belong to the Department of Defense. Oh, and I don't. I don't want to. That's not what the that's not what the Pfizer contract says. But that's okay. I mean, we'll just. Um, I think. I think that there is. Okay. Well, okay. Karen, I can accept you. You may know more than I do. You certainly do know more than I do. So, uh, hey, we got these competing views. Thank yeah. you for being on the show. Yes, Karen, we're so glad. To Even better you. than I anticipated, and you sound good. Welcome back. Thank you. Karen Kingston, go to her Substack. Karen Kingston Substack. Thank you for having me. God bless. God bless you, dear.